The gospel reading this morning is taken from the book of St. John, chapter 4, verses 5 through 30, and can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1651. John 4, verses 5 through 30. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, he sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Now his uh, disciples, they had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For we know Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Now Jesus assured her, and he answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go. Call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, 
and his worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. And just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way toward him. This is the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Will you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Does anyone remember Dana Carvey on Saturday Night Live and he had a character called the Church Lady? Anyone, it, it, it went, yeah, okay. So it went coming like, you know, he was dressed up and he'd say, isn't that special? Who could that been from, Satan? Right? That was kind of the way that he went. And as I'm delivering this, I'm trying not to channel David Carvey and the church lady in here, but there's some words that just send me there and the words that is used is naughty. I don't use naughty very much. In fact, it's a good thing I don't use anymore or less frequently the words that I usually use, but that's one of them. So if I go in that special or in that naughty, then you know where I'm coming from. I'm not losing it. I already have. You see, what I want to talk about this morning and I want to proclaim to you is, is the following. Jesus worked, his work in this historical account this morning it's scandalous. He, um, he does the unthinkable, the outrageous. He dares to speak to a woman in public. That's strike one for the church lady. This woman he's speaking to, she's a half-breed, gone astray from God's ways, Samaritan. That's strike two. This woman, she's very naughty. And she's still in her sins, this Samaritan woman. She's been through five husbands. And now she's with a sixth man. But he's not her husband. She's naughty. Isn't she naughty? Why is he talking to her? In fact, we could say, uh, or almost hear, Jesus, do you want a little advice? 
You should stay away from sinful women like that. She may just be brash enough to try and put the moves even on you. Don't tarnish your reputation. Don't hang out with some, well, actually, what you should do is hang out with reputable folks, good people, fine clothes, experts in the law. For gosh sake, you know that three strikes and you're out. Now, I don't want to add to the, the story at all, but could possibly those uh, disciples that came back from town been thinking that? They didn't ask him, Scripture says. Truth is, we wouldn't give her the time of day. Truth is, we believe that we are better than her. And compared to her, we're not so bad. That's what we think. <laughs> yeah, we're not. And here, together with Miss Naughty Sinner Samaritan, comes the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know that when we are squared, when I'm squared, you're squared before the Lord, all comparisons with others stop. I'm not Jesus Jr., and neither are you. You and me and this naughty woman are all equally sinners before the Lord. That's why we come together and say, if we say we are without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us, right? Every time we come together, we admit that. And yet, we read that Jesus deals with sinners. He deals with ungodly sinners. He comes to them, to this naughty Samaritan woman at the well. He comes to you, and he comes to me. We are all in the same boat. We are deadbeat sinners. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. That's the kind of sinners we are. Now, if we have no Jesus and no salvation and we keep Jesus safely at bay, then all that is left for those is their dead, sinful self. And apart from Jesus, that's where we would be, alone, to our dead, sinful self. We need him. We need his glory. We need him who is always there to have mercy on sinners. So Jesus comes with forgiveness. He comes with forgiveness for all of your sin. What sin do you have? What haven't you done that needed to be done? What did you do that shouldn't have been done? What is the sin that you want to stop doing but you just can't muster the will and the strength to quit? We're not taking a list after this. But you need to hear this. Are you listening? It's all forgiven. All of it. It's not counted against you for Jesus' sake. For his sake, it's forgiven. And he died for you and for me.
That's love. That's mercy. It's stunning. We heard Ken read in the epistle letter, while we were still weak, Christ died for the ungodly. That's you and that's me. This woman he died for. This world he died for. And God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Thanks be to God. Now with that forgiveness for Christ's sake, there's life and there's salvation. Jesus is the water. He's the drink. The elixir of eternal life. And I invite you, he invites you, to drink from Jesus, to believe in him. And that's really the true worship of God. The highest worship of God is faith in Jesus. That's what is spoken of, of worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Worshiping Jesus. So I admonish you, I tell you, I encourage you, drink up. (laughs) This is a great church. (laughs) Drink up. Deeply. Drink as much as Jesus avails himself for you. Guzzle it down. Guzzle his word of absolution with, with your amen. Amen. Imbibe his most holy body and blood in the sacrament. Come. The table is prepared. That's where he comes and he meets you in the divine service. For sinners like you and for me, he meets you and me. And there we see his glory, the divine glory to always have mercy, always have mercy, and to always be gracious unto you and to me. That's what he does. He's cool like that. And so because Jesus... Because of Jesus, you have peace with God. And everything is all right with God. Everything is restored with God because of Jesus and his dying for you. And so let me add on a little bit more amazing stuff for you. That because of what Good Friday, of that Good Friday, and what Jesus did for you and for me, we can rejoice even in any or whatever sufferings that we have. (laughs) What? The world would say, rejoice in sufferings? Well, it's true. We are called to rejoice even in sufferings. Why? Because the Lord uses your sufferings. He uses my sufferings. Uses them to strengthen your faith muscles. Do you realize that? He does. What are your sufferings? What are your sufferings today? Is it a a broken marriage? Is it an illness? Is it a loss of a loved one? Is it everyday sins? 
Well, when we are at the lowest, when we are at our weakest, that's where Jesus is with us. Tested and proven it. Many of you have too. When we're at our weakest, when we're at our lowest, he's there with us. That's his promise. Your sufferings teach you that you can trust him all the more. You can trust, you can count on him to pray, and you can rely on him more than you ever did. That's what you have left. It's been said, it isn't until all that we have is Jesus, that's when we realize Jesus is all we really need. And when you're at your weakest, that's when you're strong. Strong in Jesus who died for you. And you know that it's really God's cup of tea when he is working his power in your weakness. That's what he does. That's what Paul said. That's when he tried to have that thorn removed. He says, my, your weakness makes, what is it, come on, I always sound like Joe Biden, you know the thing. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. So we should rejoice in our suffering because the Lord uses them to strengthen our faith. And as the faith muscles are exercised through our sufferings, the Lord gives us endurance. We heard that today. We trust in Him. We trust in Him for the long haul, not just for a sprint, but for the marathon. And then there's more giving from the Lord I need to point out to you. As we heard today, endurance produces character and character hope. And through your sufferings, you learn that God's grace is sufficient, that Jesus will not ever leave you or abandon you. His promises are always, always certain and sure. I will never leave you or abandon you. And for the glory of God, Jesus is to always have mercy. He died for every one of them, every one of the sinners, every one of the naughties, every one for whosoever should believe. And for God's glory, Jesus always has mercy. He is always gracious to you and he's always quick to bring you back to him with penitent hearts and steadfast faith. That's what Lent is all about. Jesus lented for you. You don't have to give up chocolate. He lented for you. He did it on that cross for you. Well, what do I do? Well, you're doing it. Receive him. Worship him. Believe in him, pray to him, point others to him because the heavy lifting has been done. He says, come, the table is prepared for you, my dear child. Merry Lent, happy worshiping in the name of Jesus.
Amen.